welcome back to Trinus Magnus Jabs Reality, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and I've got a cup of eggnog sitting right here beside me. This, I'll have you know, is not actually the last cup of eggnog in the whole house, but it's very close to it. After this, the man is going to take it away from us for another year. Another year. <sighs> anyway, for those of you who don't know, I'm I, I subscribe to this idea of fandom that, honestly, for for want of a better way of describing it, I just refer to as the fanboy muse. All right. Basically, all of this kind of proceeds from this hunch that I've got that you can be a fan of tons of different things. But here's what's important. You're not equally excited about all of your different fandoms at all times. Does that make sense? Basically what I'm saying is your fandom for any particular movie franchise or comic book series or TV show or just fucking whatever you're into, you don't maintain the same level of uh, enthusiasm morning, noon, and night, 24-7, 365, right? It just doesn't happen that way for most people. I, of this, I'm convinced, right? And one of the things that I've noticed is that people tend to be more enthusiastic about some of their fandoms than at other times, right? So I guess to give you a, a couple of different examples here, to me, Superman is... Well, he's kind of a a summer superhero. Does that make sense? He's basically a character that I find I'm most likely to to, to watch his movies or read his comics or, or whatever I'm going to do. That is most likely to happen during the summer. All right? Not always, but usually. Right? So, so there's that. For those of you who can cast your memory back a couple of months... You may remember that I went through a little bit of a Tolkien kick, or maybe more accurately, a Lord of the Rings kick. It was probably in the fall. And one of the things I've noticed here, again, is that if I'm going to find myself sort of falling ass-backwards into a, a, a Lord of the Rings kick, it's probably going to happen during the fall. Not always, but usually. Okay? Here's another one. Uh, Batman. To me, Batman is just a very winter type of character, you know? I might even say, not necessarily confined just to Christmas, but there's just something about Batman that just seems very, I don't know, very wintry, very cold, you know? And I don't know why, but, you know, in the great majority of cases, if I'm going to find myself lost in some kind of a Batman comic book reading project, likely as not, it's happening in during December, right? Sometime in November, sometime in December, and just through there, right? Basically when it's really fucking cold outside is what I'm talking about, right? So, there's another one. Now, yet another thing is Star Trek, right? I find, and, and it's happened now more than once, and I think there's a mathematical theory out there that says 
If something happens three times in a row, that's a mathematical pattern, right? So three years in a row, three Januaries in a row, or I should say three mid-Decembers to early Januaries in a row, I found myself kind of enveloped in like a Star Trek sort of, like sort of binge. You know, it's it's difficult to put into words, but it's like all I want to do is read Star Trek comics, or all I want to watch is, well, the original series, or the original series movies, or something like that, you know? And it's just a very strange and bizarre thing. Now, what I find is that, you, like I say, it's you can be fan, a, a fan of many different things, but it's hard to be a fan of many different things equally, all at the same time, nonstop, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. It's just not possible for most people, right? That's my out clause. For most people, it's just not possible. And that's one of the reasons why I've never really been, like, really all that interested in doing, like, an index type of show. And what it really comes down to is basically having to sustain that same level of enthusiasm all year round, right? And I just can't do it. And, you know, I, I don't think that's any kind of reflection on me as a person. It's just what I call the fanboy muse, right? The fanboy muse takes me in different directions at different times, right? And I, you see, it, it almost seems like I'm kind of analyzing it a little too closely whenever I say that it only happens during you know, for this particular franchise or this particular comic book series or whatever, like during one particular part of the year, it's almost like I'm being uh, maybe a little too analytical with it in, in a weird kind of way because I don't know if it's really that simple or if that's even something that I'm even necessarily meant to understand, you know? I'm not trying to, you know, bend spoons too much here, I'm not trying to get, like, too mystical, you know, navel-gazing or anything like that. It's just, it's one of those things that I've always been a little bit curious about, you know? So... I don't know. What I do know, as if the music that you're hearing right now wasn't a little bit of a giveaway, what I do know is that, at least for right now, in this moment, as I'm recording all of this, I'm going through a little bit of a Star Trek sort of, uh, well, I don't know how else to put it, except a binge, you know? I've basically just been wanting to watch a lot of Star Trek episodes, I've been wanting to watch a lot of Star Trek uh, movies, I've been wanting to watch a lot of Star Trek uh, uh, or read a lot of Star Trek comics. I've been listening to old episodes of the Two True Freaks Star Trek Monthly Monday uh, feature that was going on for a long time there. And one of the things that I did yesterday and finally got a chance to, you know, sort of enjoy tonight, one of the things I did yesterday was I uh, bought off of iTunes uh, Star Trek the the undiscovered country right and i'd never actually seen the undiscovered country before because for those of you who don't know i'm not a big star trek expert so i'm really not you know the guy that's got like the encyclopedic knowledge about star trek or anything like that you know the guy that is the big expert and knows everything that there is to know about star i'm just not that guy you know but i do enjoy star trek i just don't really feel like this is something that I need to apologize for. 
I haven't necessarily seen every single episode of every single uh, show or I haven't necessarily seen every single movie. You know, I've basically wanted to, rather than just be kind of like a cinematic glutton, I've just wanted to just parse it out for myself a little bit, just enjoy these things as they come along, rather than submitting to what is, in fact, my actual natural temptation of, you know, I want it all now, 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 now. You know, I, I, I've been wanting to kind of dole it out to myself a little bit slow, more slowly, because ultimately the realization I had is that there's a finite amount of Star Trek out there that I really do uh, cherish and enjoy. And, you know, once that's gone, that's gone, you know, and there's not going to be anything new for me because this, a lot of new Star Trek that's coming out today just, I don't know, it's like it's missing the point, I guess, you know. So that's pretty much where I'm coming from. So for those of you who are holding me in some kind of bizarre and really unnecessary moral contempt for not having seen all of the movies all at once, well, put a pencil to it. That's why I'm doing it this way. So anyway, but, you know, watch The Undiscovered Country. And it's not that my expectations of it were low, you know, they're not. But, you know, when it comes to Star Trek movies that were directed by Nicholas Meyer, let's face it, everybody wants to talk about Wrath of Khan. And I like Wrath of Khan. I think that's a great movie. I really enjoy it. But it's almost like the undiscovered country is sort of like the the forgotten stepchild of Star Trek in cinema, like big screen feature film. You know what I mean? And that movie, too, was directed by Nicholas Meyer. And I'm, look, I'm not here to tell you that it is just as good as Wrath of Khan, because honestly, what is? But at the same time, you know, this was a, this was just a really enjoyable movie. I mean, it was Kirk being Kirk, and in a lot of ways, it was kind of Spock being Spock, you know, and there are, there are a couple of things that were going on in the Undiscovered Country that, I'm just going to be really honest with you, I don't completely buy, all right? For example, you know, it, it's almost like Kirk is kind of excoriating himself a little bit over hating the Klingons, you know? And, you know, guys, here's the thing. I mean, like, of all people, he's kind of entitled to hate the Klingons. I mean, they've done nothing, literally nothing, except make his life miserable for, what was it, like 30 years or more. And it's easy to understand, you know, like, where the guy's coming from on that, you know? And the fact that the narrative seemed to want to... It wanted to, in a weird kind of way, somewhat morally condemn Kirk. And I'm sorry, I don't buy it. Now, look, we all know the metaphor that they're working with here, okay? We all know that basically the the undiscovered country is kind of like a metaphor of not so much the fall of the Soviet Union, but I would say the general decline of the Soviet Union, you know, because... By the time the, the Soviet Union finally did fall, I mean, the writing had been on the wall for a couple of years there, guys. I mean, this was, I don't think anybody was necessarily expecting it to happen at the exact instant that it happened, but people were expecting it, you know, sooner or later, it was going to come to this, you know? And so it, in a weird kind of way, the undiscovered country is very timely. It's very topical. 
it's kind of late to the party, and yet it's also remarkably prescient, you know? So it's all of those things at the same time. And how that's even possible, I don't know. All I know is that the metaphor that Star Trek, I guess as a as an idea, is working with in the Undiscovered Country is basically what's in store for Earth, really, without the Cold War. You know, what is this world like without the Cold War? Because when you think about it, I mean, when was the Soviet Union founded? Like 1921 or 22 or something like that? And so that was the last time that planet Earth existed without a Soviet Union. Well, a lot of shit has happened, or had happened, between the founding of the Soviet Union and then the dissolution of the Soviet Union. So, what's the future going to bring for us now? What with all the changes that have happened in between, you know? And, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, looking back at it, this, I mean, I remember, I remember, you know, like the fall of the Berlin Wall. I remember the Soviet Union being dissolved. I, like, I remember all that stuff. But, you know, I mean, guys, I was just a kid, you know. And as I've said many times, not even all that smart a kid, you know. And so the fullness of this was kind of lost on me at the time. Because, guys, like I say, I was only 10 years old. I mean, what do you expect? But, you know, it you know, casting my eyes backward a little bit, you know, I do kind of have to wonder, you know, what, what trepidation, I mean, not just hope or optimism, but what kind of fear and trepidation might people have been feeling, you know, like, what is this world going to be without the Soviet Union in it? You know, what is America without the Soviet Union against which to define itself? You know, and those are, those are questions that the movie raises. doesn't really answer because, let's face it, it can't. But those are questions that, you know, the movie just kind of puts on the table. And to me, that's, that's really Star Trek at its best. You know, there's, there's I don't want to get too specific, but, you know, sometimes people will lash out at these franchises for politicking. And, you know, the thing about it is, I don't think people necessarily mind you know, political commentary done as metaphor. I think people actually really enjoy that. And further to that, I think that's, you know, like Star Trek at its best, I think does that, you know? And, you know, but what I think kind of rankles people is agenda mongering, you know, when they're basically advancing one particular viewpoint in a very kind of over-the-top and sort of obnoxious way. You know, does that make sense? So anyway, there's some obvious examples out there. Y'all know what I'm talking about, but I dare not mention it because diplomacy. Anyway, this is just one of those things that I just really cherish about, about Star Trek. So, and just casting my eyes at things like, you know, the next generation, or to, I would say, a greater extent, things like Deep Space Nine or Voyager, they don't necessarily go in as much for uh, metaphor, you know? They, they just don't. And that's, that's not a criticism of those shows, and it's not really a praise for them either. It's just, to me, it's, it's just an acknowledgement of fact. So one of the things I did actually kind of like, though, was 
the third season of Enterprise, and they they dealt with a very specific kind of metaphor, and they did it, I think, in a really brave and very entertaining kind of way. You know, I, I just really dig that, but this isn't supposed to be about Enterprise, so I'm just going to move right along. Circling back to the original series, there's a purity that Star Trek has that I think is best exemplified in the original series, you know, that TV show. Nothing against the movies, nothing against the other TV shows, but there's a... There's something about Star Trek as it was as a TV show when it could tackle big ideas and big themes, but not necessarily get lost in it, because by and large, I mean, there are, I think there are a couple of exceptions, but by and large, Star Trek was a show that basically wanted to tackle a different idea every single week, you know, and there really wasn't a chance for them to get lost in in uh, political metaphor and allegory and all that stuff, you know, because next week they were going to be telling a different story that maybe it has some kind of a political metaphor to it. Maybe it doesn't, but either way, you know, there wasn't really a chance for them to go too far up their own asses with, with, uh, I don't know, these parables of the human condition. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I just, I just really dig that. And it's one of those things that, like, looking back at it, I have to wonder, you know, was that actually intentional on anybody's part? Or was that just done by virtue of the fact that no one really knew what order that these episodes were going to be aired in? So let's just try to keep them all as self-contained as we possibly can and just go from there. I don't know. It's, uh, I've always kind of wondered about that. But either way, I think it actually works to the benefit of the material. So... Anyway, so that's that stuff. So I got to tell you guys, you know, 2018 is off to a kind of a weird start so far, you know? I mean, yesterday, uh, Stacy and I had to take Lucy up to the vet because she fucked up her paw somehow. I don't even know what happened. It's like she, uh, Stacy could probably explain it better than I could, but it's like Lucy's, uh, one of the claws in her paw got, it, it almost looked like it got ripped out of that. You know, I don't even know what you call that. That little meaty, tender, soft-looking... It's not a knuckle. It can't be a knuckle, but... Anyway, well, whatever that was. So, um, I can only imagine it hurt like a son of a bitch. She couldn't walk on on, uh, all four of her paws. She just kept her, you know, that paw uh, just sort of, like, off the ground. And so, you know, took her to the vet, and they got her her fixed up nice and everything. But... You know, Lucy is just not one of those dogs that has to go to the vet, you know, like every other day or something like that. I mean, I think, I need to double check this with Stacy, but I think that, you know, apart from routine checkups and booster shots and all that type of stuff, I don't think that she's ever had to go to the vet before for like medical care, you know? And so, you know, that was just its own world of stress and whatnot and you know this on the last day of my uh, of my vacation before we go back to work and all that which i did today and i don't know i mean i'm hoping that's not a harbinger of things to come but uh, i don't know the other thing was when i woke up this morning and got dressed for work it was i'm not kidding 27 degrees outside okay now guys this is texas we don't 27 degrees here, but we 
did today. So, I don't know. <sighs> well, I'm going to watch some more Star Trek episodes because that's going to help with the cold. So, I think that's pretty much it for me right now. So, bye everybody. I'll see you next time.